Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank sponsored by suit up coming at you on a Wednesday morning. Was up late last night watching Pelicans basketball, cutting up some sound and video of raging Cajun football media availability. Seeing what Stan Van Gundy had to say after the game last night for the Pels as well. Another guy who was up late, but up early with us right now. Elliot Clough of Pelicans Plus Podcast and Boot Crew Media. Good morning, Elliot. Welcome back into the show. How you feeling today? Scott, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the Pels came out and, and did a really awesome job against a team that they should have beat, which is... It's good to see after some of their losses earlier this season, but they handled their business. Kyra Lewis, Jackson Hayes, young guys looking good. Zion Williamson, what one might say, a quiet 27 points. B.I. coming out scoring 36. Good win last night. I'm a little tired. You, you mentioned it staying up a little late, but I'm more than happy to be talking with you this morning. Yeah, Zion had 27, nine boards, five assists, a steal, nine of 10 at the free throw line, nine of 13 from the field in 29 minutes. And Stan Van Gundy said afterwards, you know, what's ridiculous is he has set this this standard now at 20 years old where, you know, it felt like it was an average game by his standards tonight. And, and, he, and he was acknowledging that it's kind of ridiculous that he's using the word average. But I think that tells you something about now the, the standard that Zion has set um, because he's right. It wasn't, you know, and part of that was they, they won by a lot and he wasn't on the floor as much as he would be in a tight game. And yet, you know, it was like, oh, ho-hum, 27, 9, you know, 9 of 13 from the field. Okay. Yeah, average. If you want to call that average, um, that's only average for, you know, elite players, and certainly Zion is that right now. And uh, I know, look, I, I probably talk about Zion too much, but I don't care because it's worth <laughs> noting that – performances like that whenever you just come to expect it and he's only you know how many games has he played now in his NBA career Elliot 50 something like that's it so enjoy it right don't take it for granted exactly I think he's yeah around 50 60 somewhere in there and you're exactly right I mean there are players out there like that and and the players that we think of that score those type of points and have those type of stat lines. It's, it's the Giannis's, it's the LeBron's it's, it's, you know, that's, that's a typical night for them. And and Zion is doing this at at 20 years old. That's really impressive. And and his poise and, and his character along the way as well is just on another level. I mean, I don't know if you were able to see his media session last night, but he's just, he's just a fun kid. He's, he's, kind he has high character um and, and uh, on top of his his skill on the basketball court i think he's embraced new orleans as well i mean this is this is something that doesn't come around small markets very frequently and he definitely needs to be appreciated for for what he brings to the table and he's working hard too i, I think i might have i talked with you a little bit about this maybe it was on my podcast when you joined me last week but i mean he's nine of 10 from the free throw line from what he showed last season. Now to this season, what he's been doing with Fred Vince is an incredible jump. Like he's, it's not like he's just stepping out there and doing this on a nightly basis without working hard too. I mean, he's got the talent, but he also loves the game of basketball and wants to improve. This is not something that comes around, you know, every five years. This is, this is something that is very rare. 
And, and if the Pels can get him to stay in New Orleans long term, like this is a that's a long term view. But right now, um, right now, he should definitely be appreciated for what he is because it's it's something that we don't see very often. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com, good stuff, Elliot. Um, I you know I, I was on social media. It was a, a game that wasn't very stressful. I don't get to tweet during all the games, but you know, a little bit during the second half as I was watching and, and cutting up some video and audio on my laptop and you know, got in the mentions, hey, whatever, you know, it's a bad Lakers team, no AD to LeBron. I'm like, listen, hey, you know, say what you want. Never take a win for granted with the Pelicans, ever. Uh, when they lose by 30 to... Uh, a G League team that is disguised as an NBA team in Minnesota, at least, you know, the times they played the Timberwolves, considering who wasn't able to play for the T-Wolves on those nights, I'm not taking it. I mean, I, look, you, you got to enjoy every win when you can get it. Why? We talked about this on your podcast, Elliot, but wh- why is this team so extreme? Why are it, it's the fifth youngest team in the NBA. Okay, so you're going to lose some some teams that you know on paper you're more talented than, and you're going to beat some teams that perhaps you know you're not favored in. You're going to have some ups and downs, some lulls, some highs. Why is it though that it's different with this team? That it's so extreme, in that you know you go out and and you you have the highest field goal percentage by any NBA team in the league this season. And you do it against the Clippers, who are a great defensive team, and then you also can lose to Minnesota by thirty. What would what if you could put your finger on one or two things? Why is this team so extreme? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. You know, it, it comes down to a couple things. I think I think the negatives come from the fact that. And we might have talked about this before too. Is I had Jamel McMillan on my podcast. I don't even know a couple couple months ago. I think he's the son of Nate McMillan, uh, coach of the Hawks, and he and Jamel was also on the staff of the Pelicans last year. And what Jamel broke it down, or the way he broke it down, was the fact that so Sam Van Gundy came in this season after having a few years off of coaching, right? So um, he was he was in the media, got to see some things from uh, a more overall perspective of the league as opposed to just one team and, and one front office and, and what have you. And he came in to new Orleans with, uh, with, a, with a lot of talent, with a lot of young talent, but, but things had to get mixed up too. So there isn't the continuity for the roster. And you got Brandon Ingram, you got Zion Williamson, but you know, you don't have true holiday anymore. You bring in Steven Adams, you bring in Eric Bledsoe, who we all know has been horrid. And then you add the fact that Stan Van Gundy's taking over for an offensive minded head coach. And there are a lot of bad habits with this team last year, a lot of good moments, a lot of really fun stuff with that team last year, especially after starting six and 22 coming back, getting into the playoff pictures, Zion getting healthy, a lot of fun moments, but also a lot of bad habits. So Stan Van Gundy had to come in and tear it all down. And he's trying to re- rebuild it all back up in a season that's shortened by COVID that's getting very few practices. I think at the trade that, or sorry, not the trade deadline, but the all-star break SVG said that they only had 11 practices left for the rest of the season. So trying to build up these good habits based off film and based off what you see in games. And you're not able to do it in practice. And for a young team and for a coach like Stan Van Gundy, that's got to just drive you nuts because you can't get into your body. You know, you can do it in your mind, but getting into your body and getting that muscle memory type of stuff is, is essential 
when you're trying to learn defenses, when you're trying to go through offense, what have you. And so I, I think that's where that comes from. And, and tie that into the extreme travel, having to get up at 7 a.m. to test every day, all that. And that's where you get the negatives because with the travel and with waking up early and not having a routine, that's where you come out and you're flat. You don't have energy and throw in the fact that your starting point guard doesn't necessarily want to play on this team. And uh, that's going to be a problem for the negatives. As far as the, the high, the high highs of playing really well against the Clippers. I think what it comes down to is Brandon and, and, I'm going to say Brandon because Zion, we know we're getting it from him every night, even if the team is flat because he's just so dominant. But Brandon is a guy a lot of these people, a lot of the players, I should say, on the team look to as a measure for what we're going to bring tonight. I mean, whether he is a vocal leader or not, he's really the guy on this team in terms of leadership because of the contract that he got. So if he comes in energy, the whole team brings energy. And that's a big thing, too. And sometimes you just have a good night, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker dropping 37 against the Clippers, whatever that was a while ago, because a lot of the players were out, but then uh, he had 20 when he started two nights ago, or sorry, two games ago for the Pels. So, you know, some of it's a little bit random. Some of it's just based on all of the things that are going on this season, because there's a lot for this Pels team. There's young teams out there. There's team with teams with young coaches, but the combination of, lacking continuity and the fact that uh, th- this team is young and-, and it's a COVID season. It's just a lot, Scott. It's a lot. And, and that's where those negative, as far as the highs, you know, sometimes basketball, you just, you just have nights too, where you're just making buckets. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. Listen to the ESPN 1420 Listen Live app on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app and in connected cars and on smart speakers. It is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Elliot Clough, our guest now of the Pelicans Plus podcast, Boot Crew Media. Elliot, you mentioned Eric Bledsoe said a point guard that doesn't want to be here. Why Why is he continue to play? Um, uh, follow-up question is, is the things Stan Van Gundy say about him publicly in hopes that there might be some trade value for him? It just seems like some of the athleticism isn't there that was there when he was younger. Some of that might be age, injury, right? Whatever it might be, it's just not working. And while I didn't think they should keep him when they traded for him, and I said as much at the time, I didn't even foresee it being as bad as it has been. What's his future with the team? And that can segue right into, you know, trade deadline tomorrow at three. But let's just start with Eric Bledsoe. What, what's his future? What are the options for this team right now, realistically? Right. So right now, I think Zach Lowe said it on his podcast. For those of you who don't know, Zach Lowe, uh, senior writer for, for ESPN, does awesome work. One, of the, one of the few – yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll back that up. One of the few national guys – because I always say it, Elliot. I'm like, look, if you, if you want to get – good intel on an NBA team or or any pro team, go follow the locals that follow that team. There are very few national guys that actually, you know, I think know some of the intricacies, especially some of the smaller market teams. Zach Lowe is is one of them, though. And so, yeah, when he yes. says something, he's one of those few national guys, well, I'll listen to that pod, right? I'll, I'll, I'll read his articles because I know it's not going to be the same, you know, cookie cutter, you know, just palaver. Let me just – 
spit out something that everyone else nationally has said that's never watched this team play beyond when they're on national TV. Sorry, I'm about to go on a rant. Uh, yeah, Zach Lowe's <laughs> awesome. All right, get back to it. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So I think he put this out on his podcast uh, the the other day, but the, the Pels are going to have to uh, address this trading him by adding assets, probably picks, maybe a young player. With the way that they love Nikhil, Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, I highly, highly doubt that they're going to be attaching players because David Griffin is in love with these guys. He's enamored with these young players, and rightfully so. I mean, as of late, they've all been playing really well. So they're probably going to have to attach an asset, whether it's the 2021 Lakers draft pick, whether it's multiple seconds. It's more than likely going to have to be first because he's been that bad. But the way it's looking is, I, I'm just, it, it's more likely to me that I think Lonzo is off the team and Eric Bledsoe stays on the team than uh, the other way around, unfortunately, just because of the, the value that it's looking that the Pels will get for Lonzo. And Eric Bledsoe's contract is actually probably more tradable this offseason, the coming trade deadline, which God knows none of us want him to be around that long with the way he's playing right now. But because of the way his contract is structured and, and everything that's, that's going on with the rest of the team as far as contract structures, the, the way it looks for, for Bled is he can stick around this season, but next season, excuse me, going into this next season, he'll be a little bit more valuable because his following year is only like $3.9 million guaranteed. So you can save a ton of money on your books. If you trade for him this coming season, waive him, or, or buy him out and, and he can go and, and find another team to play for or hold on to him, trade him. I mean, th- what I see happening, if the Pels don't involve him in a multi-team trade that Lonzo's a part of, maybe they can trade him to a team like the Thunder and and then uh, get picks to them as well and then get another or a player that the Thunder don't necessarily use and then buy him out, leave him. <laughs> it, it's it's a really complicated situation right now just because of contract structure, just because of Lonzo, because of JJ as well. There's a lot of options. Um, I hope, Hopefully all that made sense, but Bled is not a guy that a lot of people want to keep around. But at the same time, you got to look at the long-term view. you got to look at what's best for this team because they might not make the playoffs this year. They might not even make the play-in this year just because of, of the ups and downs and, and not knowing what's going on with this team. So I, I'm, I'm the, the least interested in keeping Eric Bledsoe, but it's a possibility that we might have to emotionally prepare ourselves for at this point. Well, and I think that um, the idea that if, if Bledsoe is traded Excuse me. If if Lonzo Ball is traded and Bledsoe isn't, that somehow that's uh, you know that's, that's David Griffin choosing Bledsoe over Alonzo. That's just stupid. No. That's looking at it in a vacuum and not looking. I think for Lonzo Ball, it's just it's a really interesting case. You know, I mean there there's going to be some suitors now. There could be eighty teams. You know, starting next season over the cap uh, as they enter the off season. It's different than the NFL. I get it, but. You know, it's well. They're they're getting rid of him for because of money reasons. Well, you know that, that to say that that isn't that money reasons aren't basketball reasons. This isn't George Shin 
you know, uh, op- owning the New Orleans Hornets anymore. I mean, this is a different era, and if you're going to decide on Lonzo Ball in the offseason to match any offer that he might get as a restricted free agent and you end up, you know, one of those teams offers something around 20 mil per year, well, guess what? In a couple years, you're going to have over 100 mil combined between Ingram, Zion, and Lonzo. How are you going to upgrade the roster? Is Lonzo worth that? And that that's just the Notes version of why he continues to be, I think, the biggest question mark in terms of his future contract and his future ceiling. Those two things, how do you weigh one next to the other? How much do you think one's going to be as opposed to the other? And it, it's it's a question I know that they wish they had more time to answer, but they just don't at this point, Elliot. So is Lonzo Ball going to be traded between now and tomorrow at three? Is he going to be on a is he going to stay on the team and then sign somewhere next year? Is he going to sign with the Pelicans next year? In your mind, what is the next step for Alonzo Ball? Well, that that's a magic question. You know, we're actually I'm, I'm having a bunch of people on my podcast, three, four people uh, tonight. We're going to do a roundtable on the subject. So if you're interested, Pelicans Plus, that'll be up hopefully around 8 p.m. tonight. Um, hopefully we'll get some answers collectively in uh, different opinions, but my thinking is that Lonzo's going to be traded. As to where he's going to be traded, that's the question. There's a ton of teams, like basically every team in the NBA could use Alonzo Ball. With the role that he's playing right now as a more of a 3 and D wing, making a bunch of threes, playing awesome perimeter defense, everybody can use that. Everybody can use that, especially with his playmaking ability on top of that, especially in transition. You can always use that in the in the NBA. Now there are teams that are also starving for a point guard, like the Clippers, or uh, you know Philly's looking for a point guard and possibly getting Kyle Lowry as well. So there's teams that would want him as a point guard. There's teams that could use him as a wing, and there's teams that could use him as a secondary playmaker, secondary ball handler, like the Hawks with Trey Young at the point guard position now. And then there's teams like the Knicks, who uh, it's, it's a point guard situation for them as well. Austin Rivers, I believe he's hurt. Derek Rose doing COVID protocol as of late. We know Frank Natilakina is not really going to be anything, even though he was a lottery pick for them however many years ago. He just hasn't lived up to that hype. So, And, and they've also been a team that's known to be in love with the way Lonzo Ball plays basketball. There was talk of him being traded there this offseason. So if, if I had to pick one team that would be able to go out and get him, that makes a lot of sense. It's the Knicks for that reason, but also because they have a ton of cap room. And if they're really in love with him the way they say they're in love with him, they're going to be willing to pay him that $20 million. He gets to go to a large market. Um, so I, I think his pairing with Julius Randle could be fun. R.J. Barrett, that could be really fun. And the Knicks are a franchise that would be willing to pay him that type of money. Now, if the Pels aren't able to get a deal done, which I would honestly be pretty surprised because with the amount of teams that are going after Zoe, you got to think it's going to be competitive all the way up to the trade deadline. Who can get him? And so the packages are just going to keep getting better and better if they really get desperate and say, we need a player like this to compete for a title, i.e. like a Philly or a Denver. Then those trade packages could definitely uh, increase in value quickly. So that's a possibility. Sign and trade is is really interesting to me as well because Pels might be able to get 
some sort of star player in exchange if they're willing to give up some draft picks as well. So uh, the the restricted free agency thing is is tough, and, and keeping him around is going to be tough because, man, I mean, it's, somebody's going to pay him. Somebody is going to pay him. I don't know who it's going to be. I, I could see the Knicks coming out and offering, like I said, that, that $20 million, 20 plus million dollar deal. But if it's not the Knicks, somebody else will, whether they have the cap space, they'll, they'll figure something out. But Lonzo's a player that is highly desired in this league and for, for good reason. But at the same time, the Pelicans might have better options going into the future. I love Lonzo Ball. In a vacuum, you said in a vacuum, right? You ditch the contract, you ditch the future, you ditch the money. Uh, I would love to have Lonzo Ball on this team, uh, but you can't. You can't ditch all that. Nothing's in a vacuum. So I, I, I would be surprised if he is still on this team after the trade deadline. To be honest with you, Elliot Clough, our guest, uh, host of the Pelicans Plus podcast of Boot Crew Media. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up here on ESPN fourteen twenty. JJ Redick is he still on the team Friday? No, no. I saw that the the Pels are inching closer towards a buyout with him, which I'm honestly not not positive as as to what the pros and cons are of buying out as opposed to possibly getting a trade package. What I'm assuming is the Pels just aren't really getting much that they would want in, in terms of offers for J.J. Redick, i.e. player, excuse me, teams are looking to just give up players as opposed to, or a player as opposed to draft picks as well. So, you know, if they got into trade conversations with a team like the Celtics, who would be able to go into their trade exception because they're massive with Gordon Hayward's contract. So in a situation like that, the Celtics would be able to give up a second or two seconds in order to, to take on JJ, but they're probably going to try to make a bigger move this uh, this trade deadline. You know, they're always rumored to go after big names, but they're in pretty big need of it right now. So I, I would guess that JJ is going to get bought out uh, given the circumstances right now. Which you know, good for him. I, I think he will end up playing somewhere in the Northeast, closer to his family. Uh, I, I would doubt at this point that he gets traded unless it's in a package deal with Lonzo to head to the Knicks. And I've had some trades that I've written up on, on bookroomedia.com that have included stuff like that. But at this point I'd be, I would be, I don't want to say surprised, but I would be surprised uh, if, if he was traded rather than bought out at this point. Who will be the biggest beneficiary that's on the Pelicans roster now and will still be on the roster tomorrow evening? What player will benefit the most from the moves that they make? Oh, I'm is, is, say, is it Nikhil? Is it is Alexander Walker? Yeah. Just because of he gets more more time on the to play essentially. I was going to say Nikhil Alexander Walker or, and or Kyra Lewis. I think well Nikhil is just better when he starts. I don't know if it's a comfortability thing. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's alluded to that in some media sessions. He gets time to really get into a groove. He knows he's going to get an extended amount of minutes. And so he feels much more comfortable getting shots off. And he makes more shots when, he, when he's more comfortable like that. So I think it's going to be Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And by way of him starting, 
we know Kyra Lewis is going to get more minutes. And, you know, every Pelicans fan is, is cheering for that as well. So I'd have to say probably most going to be for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but secondarily Kyra Lewis. Elliot Clough, our guest, ESPN 1420. All right, Elliot, when, when all is said and done, are the Pelicans going to get more picks out of the trade deadline or are they going to get actual players that are going to come in and, and play maybe this season and beyond? Oh, that's <laughs> you got really good questions this morning, Scott. I like it. So it's it's going to depend on what team they trade with. If if Lonzo's out, if JJ's included in a in a trade as well, or Fled is, because it's going to be about money at that point. Um, so if there's more money involved, it's going to be more players. If there's less money involved, it's probably going to be more picks because. As far as money goes, you know, you have to match salaries and, and keep it all under the cap and, and stuff like that. So, you know, if it's a team that is also going to be more going for a championship as opposed to um, uh, just trying to be more competitive right now, if they're trying to be more competitive right now, probably going to give up more players. Championship, probably going to be more picks. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I see it being the Knicks. So, and, and that's going to be a sort of tough situation, too, because they're trying to take Eric Bledsoe, send him to another team, and, and give them draft ass, assets as well. So I, I would probably it, – it's going to be dependent on where he goes. But like I said, I think it's going to be the Knicks, so I would probably say players. I would love an Alec Burks from there. I think he's on a one-year, $6 million contract. And if you can get Frank Natilikina or something like that, he's on an expiring, too. And he's a long defensive-minded guard, so I think he'd be kind of interesting to throw into the lineup. So uh, that's that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be the Knicks, but you know, Hawks with Cam Reddish—that's a possibility. Uh, Philly, Denver in the conversation. So I'd, I'd say players before picks at this point. All right, Elliot Clough has been our guest. Give him a follow on Twitter at Elliot Clough. Clough is C L O U G H. Check out his podcast, Pelicans Plus Podcast with Boot Crew Media, and uh, follow him on Twitter at Elliot Clough. That's Elliot with one L. Just to make sure you got him, you can check out his uh, handle in our promotion of this morning's show via at ESPN1420 on Twitter, and you can go find it that way as well. Elliot, man, I appreciate the time. Final question for you. Um, 19 and 24, we talked about the extreme of this team. So just the highs are, are really high and the lows are rock bottom. Uh, where 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 do you see this team finishing in the West? You know, I, I think if they find some sort of level of, like I mentioned, continuity, consistency, and get and keep around that 500 mark, maybe string a few wins together, I think they can be that 9-10-ish seed. And if they can get out of the play-in and play a team like the Jazz in the first round, Scott, that'd be fun as hell because the, the Jazz are a really talented team, but the Pelicans, I mean, they're not going to make it easy on them. They're not. I mean, we've we've seen that matchup where – the the Jazz, the number one team in, in the in the league, and the the Pels took care of them, and that 
I, I would love a series like that. And even, I mean, if they play a different team, it, it would be a little bit more difficult for the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers probably aren't going to make that number one seed because of AD and LeBron being hurt. But if they were to face a team like the Suns in the first round, I mean, no, I don't want to make it on easy, but don't want to see anybody. it. Don't want to see it. I just get sad when I see Chris Paul play. Just reminds me of the good old days. <laughs> All right. Elliot Clough has been our guest. Uh, I just, I'd love for him just to get in the top 10 so they even have a shot. But, um, yeah. you know, the odds are that if they did, they'd probably be one and done. I'm just going to be honest with myself. But it would be fun to at least be in that position and convince myself for a few days they might have a whole first round series. So let's hope it. <laughs> if you're going to look, if you're going to finish 10th, 11th, or 12th, and it's going to be decided by a game or two, you might as well get into that play-in situation, right? I mean, if, if you're not going to be at the bottom, then then just get in the top 10, right? How, how this is a, I, I should know this, but I don't. So how will the, how will the, the lottery situation work in terms of the draft? Like our teams, is it going to be less lottery teams now, or are the teams that are eliminated in the, in the first, in the play-in, uh, if you will, are they going to be lottery teams? Do you know? Oh, yeah, I should probably know that, too. I don't. I, I would assume that those teams that get booted in that first round are going to be lottery teams yeah, I, or I, in the play, and I should see. It seems like. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you could suddenly just have less lottery teams, but maybe right. Maybe they will. I don't remember. I, I didn't even think about it until just this moment. I don't remember reading about it when the NBA announced they were going to do this 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 play-in thing. So we'll see, they did, man. They, they did the play-in uh, for the bubble as well, and I'm pretty sure that the – Blazers, I think they lost in the first round of the. I don't know how. No, yeah, you know they they, they played they played. Uh, yeah, no, they weren't a lottery. Yeah. They, they played. Yeah. Um, what they did was like they did. It didn't. It didn't adjust anyone's odds in the lottery unless you actually got into the playoffs. But now we're right. everyone listening is like I don't even know what they're talking about. So we'll wrap right. it up. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Elliot. All the best, man. And we'll uh, I'll be listening to the uh, the pod you drop later, and uh, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline tomorrow. For sure. Scott, thanks so much for having me, man. This was fun. All right, man. You got it. Elliot Clough of Pelicans Plus Podcast has been our guest here on The Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up.